podcast with Dan and Scott. Hottest golf podcast, whether you like it or not. Fresh from back in the day when they still played at the park. 7 a.m. PM special where they played after dark. From the birds to the focus to the losses and the win. Welcome podcast, patron to the show. Leave the pen, get busy golfing or get busy dying. Hottest golf podcast and I swear I ain't lying. Yeah. Leave the pen. Welcome back, podcast patrons. This is part two of my Pinehurst Thanksgiving trip recap. Uh, if you haven't listened to part one yet, we detail Knollwood, we detail Highland Golf Club, Southern Pines, uh, as well as the Cradle. This episode is going to specifically feature Pinehurst number eight, as well as Todd Hill Farm. Now, both courses were courses that I have never visited before. Both courses have both been renovated over the last year, so they were, for all intents and purposes, brand new. Let's get right into it. Pinehurst number eight. I want to give a big shout out to, and always want to give a big shout out to Alex Podliger of Pinehurst Resort. Uh, if you've been following the podcast, which I'm assuming you have, you know, Alex was on a few episodes ago. I think it was episode 200, actually, um, of the pod, milestone episode. And Alex, basically, anything you read about Pinehurst through social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, any long form writing about Pinehurst is courtesy of Alex. He is a wordsmith, has a, uh, a, a God-given talent for putting thoughts and ideas into words for you to consume. Absolutely loves the resort. Um, he is a tried and true fan as well as he should be. You know, it is a phenomenal, phenomenal place. So Alex has been so kind in the past um, to host us at, at a myriad of courses throughout Pinehurst, but I've never played number eight. And he asked me, he said, did you play number eight before? I said, no, I haven't. He said, dude, you're going to love it. I was just out there for a photo shoot. It's the centennial course. So that means it was built for the 100th anniversary of Pinehurst Resort. That's when the course was built. And it underwent this amazing restoration, if you will. Not really a redesign, but a restoration. And I think one of the coolest things about this restoration was the fact that they... They gave it its own moniker. They, they, they gave it its, its own um, persona. We know number three has the color scheme of yellow and maroon. We know number two. We know number four. All those courses have their own kind of insignia. They have their own brand. And Pinehurst number eight now has that. So right off the bat, that was the first place ever and I'm talking 15 years ago, the first time I ever went down to Pinehurst for my 30th birthday, my wife got me a trip down there. So her and I, the first place we ever went to at the Pinehurst Resort, aside from our hotel room, was to eat on the back veranda of Pinehurst number eight. And we didn't play it, but we had a great lunch there, and it was beautiful. Summertime, flowers in bloom, absolutely amazing. <laughs> Fell in love with the place right then and there. Took me 15 years to play it, but I finally did. The pro shop is brand new. The eatery back there is brand new. The bar is brand new. The color scheme used to be an awesome blue and yellow. Now it's green. Couldn't be further apart in terms of design or look, but it works. And it works so well. And I'm standing, staring at the flag in the pine, in the, excuse me, the podcast suit here right now, the Pinehurst number eight flag. And it's an eight. And it's underlined, but when you turn it sideways and you turn it horizontal, it becomes 
a 100, right, for the Centennial. And the course is labeled the Centennial course. They've got the G4 hat to say Centennial on it. Uh, it is great, right? Great color scheme. Now, one of the things we did when we were down there were to collect teas. And if you don't know this already, Pinehurst has an amazing array of teas from almost every course. I'm going to go off the top of my head, see if I can name them all. Uh, I do not have anything in front of me, just so you know. When I record, when I tell you we don't prepare <laughs> to, to record, I mean, you are listening to the thoughts literally spilling out of my head into the microphone. Um, but course-wise, you've got tees from course two. Course three has the smaller tees because it's a shorter course, which I think is brilliant. Course number four. Uh, course number eight has them. The cradle has them. The resort itself has them. Um, the manor. The Carolina, the, oh gosh, uh, the man of the Carolina. <laughs> What's the other hotel? It's horrible. Uh, great, great dead air right now. I'll think about it. The Holly. Thank you. The, uh, I'm thanking myself. Uh, the Holly has teas. Um, there's, I'm sure there's somewhere else that you can get them. All right, but you know that's seven or eight right there, and we helped ourselves to plenty of teas. I'm good for the rest of the year, okay? And and my friends are good if they want some as well. What's real cool is number eight used to have this striped blue and yellow color pattern. Well, you can't find those teas anymore, right? But they're awesome. Now they're green, and those are fantastic, right? And being a Jets fan, that kind of you know plays right into that whole color scheme, and I love it. It's awesome. We go into the pro shop. We purchase all of our stuff. And one of the real cool things, like Alex is the best, right? He has me down listed as like media. So the guy behind the counter, the pro shop attendant, he said, you know, he said, Dan Patterson, he says, oh, 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 media. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, you know, thank you, sir, blah, blah. You know, treating me like I'm someone special, right? Um, that was a nice touch. Thank you, Alex. So we go into the locker room and there in the locker room is this big glass bowl filled with all the OG tees in the yellow and blue color scheme. So I hit the bathroom real quick. I come out, and my boys have their pockets stuffed. I'm not going to lie. I had to stuff my pockets as well. I had to tell my wife to go into the woman's locker room because there was no one in there and get a bunch because who knows when we're ever going to see these. I, I haven't had one of these tees in, in years, and I picked a few up just like lying around the resort on other courses that weren't broken. Now I've got enough to last, you know, my kids' kids. So the, the, the color scheme change, the thematic change there is phenomenal. Uh, the starter hut is right next to the range. It's a great range. It's everything you need. Uh, one long, continuous mat that you hit from. Targets of every varying distance, all with greens, slightly downhill. It was fantastic. Everything you need. Balls provided for you. You don't have to go anywhere. They're right there. The starter was probably the nicest person I interacted with at Pinehurst this time around. Great guy. Um, knew that we were media as well. Had so many questions about the podcast, about Instagram <laughs> and the internet. <laughs> he asked about a little bit of an older gentleman, but gave us the lay of the land, um, told us how to hit putts with the grain, against the grain. I mean, it was, uh, it was an education within the 10, 15 minutes we got to talk with him. We hit a, hit a few putts, hit a few chips, and we were off. The opening hole is this slightly downhill dogleg left. I wasn't sure if I should hit driver. I did. 
I ended up with like 40 yards into the green, stuck a lob wedge, a little check lob wedge, half lob wedge I hit, stuck to about, I'm going to say six inches, made the one-handed putt, birdie off the first hole. Now, let me tell you this. People, people that don't play golf don't understand this. I'm not the biggest fan of birdieing the first hole. A bunch of Instagram people, when I put the story up, said to me, hey, man, you can't birdie them all unless you birdie the first. That is very true. However, with my golf game, and I'm assuming a lot of others as well, uh, one of the things that occurs is it can all go downhill from there. And I'm going to say the rest of my round basically did until it picked up a little bit at the end. I played the absolute worst at Pinehurst number eight. So much so that when I got done with the round, I kind of had a bad taste in my mouth about the course. Didn't want to post anything negative, obviously. Didn't want to say anything negative on the pod. I said, you know, give yourself a, a day or two so you can really kind of soak in the ambiance of the course and take your gameplay out of it. That's one of the things I think I've gotten better at as I've gotten older. I don't necessarily have to play well at a place in order to enjoy it. When I was in my 20s, early 30s, yes, if I played well at a course, I friggin' loved that course. Favorite course of all time. If I didn't play well, I hated the place. And I know a lot of people are the same as well. So I took myself out of it, and the biggest takeaway at Pinehurst number eight is the fact that the green complexes, not so much the greens themselves, I didn't find the greens that difficult. But the whole surrounding complex area was just runoff after runoff after runoff. And you could you could putt it, you could flop it, you could bump and run it. It gave you so many options. And that's the awesome thing about number eight is there are tons of options. There's a lot of risk-reward holes, par fives that you can play as three-shotters. But if you really go to take on that green, you better be great with a long iron or a hybrid or a wood. Um, you know, I feel like I played way too aggressive at number eight. And that's because it was coming off the heels of a great round at Southern Pines, which I talked about, which I broke 80. So I kind of felt a little bit of that invincibility, like, you know, I can do anything. And then you go out and birdie the first hole, you know, by sticking it to six inches, almost holing out for Eagle. And I was like, we're, we're rocking and rolling. Like, we're going we're gonna to break par today. Uh, it didn't happen. I got, uh, I got a little overconfident, and that killed me. Looking back, there's some holes I wouldn't have hit driver on. I would have hit three wood or hybrid. There's some holes where I wouldn't have gone for the green. I would have just gone, you know, like seven iron wedge instead of trying to kill a hybrid uh, with my low ball flight. The greens would not hold. And there's a few blind approach shots that really get, they get your mind thinking. And if you've never played the course, it's a little bit difficult in the beginning, the first time through, I should say, to kind of know where trouble is. You know, a lot of, I, I was in a lot of sand, a lot of sand. And I get it. Like it's the sand hills, right? The whole course is built on it. But I was in a lot of sand. And I know if I played it again, I wouldn't make that same mistake. And off the tee, I'd be a little bit smarter. And I would just play for wedges. I'd play for wedges into greens because I did not find the greens that difficult. Again, this is coming off of Southern Pines. 
in which I really found those Ross greens to be sloping and fast and difficult and a ton of undulation and movement. Whereas number eight, I thought were more fair. Um, I got to say they were, they were glassy in some points. They were pure though, and they rolled really, really well. So overall, an absolutely, you know, fantastic round there. There's some really special holes once you get towards the back nine. Um, I want to say it's uh, 14, I believe, is you can't even call it a dogleg left, par four, but you're playing over this marshland, and the whole place is an estuary um, and Audubon certified course. So there's there's so much natural area there. And it's one of those ones like the 18th hole in Sawgrass where, you know, the, or, or, or Pebble, where the further left you go, you're going to have less into the green, but you're carrying it to be further. And there's, there's just so many good strategically placed bunkers for people that hit the ball between 240 and 270. I mean, when you're playing from the right tees, if you hit the ball between that distance, I, I swear to you, almost every bunker came into play. But the problem is it's so visually deceptive that when you're on the tee box, you're going, I can cover that bunker. Like if I take it off that left edge, I can definitely cover that. And you can't because you get out there and you realize, oh my God, what a carry this would have been to get there. We played in a little bit of wind. It was cold. That was the coldest day we played in. I'm going to say it was probably about 45 and maybe rose to 47 on the day, if that. But it was breezy, so it felt like like low 40s, 39-ish even. So that made it a little bit difficult. But overall, great round, great carts, right? Great uh, thick, plush, leather-stitched seats, leather steering wheel. I mean, just just awesome. You know, it's, it's, it's top-notch. And while I didn't get to go into it, when you cross over the bridge in the beginning of entering the course on number eight, they have the golf pride house set off to the left-hand side there. We can get your clubs regripped, and you know, golf pride basically runs its headquarters uh, right out of it. So that's an awesome, uh, an awesome little Easter egg. If you're down there during the work week, Monday through Friday. So overall, I got to say Pinehurst number eight was, was pretty awesome. I would love to get another crack at it because I know I can score there. See, that's the thing. I know I can score. I was just stupid off the tee. Um, you know, and, and how many people aren't, right? You're on vacation. You're like, I'm not here to hit a, a five iron off the tee. Like, I'm here to bomb the hell out of it and try to make birdie. It's one of those courses where when you have that mindset, it brings double, if not triple, into play. Um, I, think I, made, I think I made three doubles on the on the day and the seventh or eighth hole or sixth hole the par three they've got this brute of a par three that is just complete cover over the estuary uh sloping green fall off to the right bunkers everywhere i got to the tee box i just looked at both my boys and i said i i don't know what to do because i don't have this shot like no matter what i hit if you give me 100 balls, I just don't have this shot. So I actually had to play for one of the first times ever. I had to play to the, the runway, the fairway, quote-unquote, of this par three. That's a little bit disheartening when you know you can't even reach the green or, or can't even aim 
for the green, right? So you're kind of playing for bogey, hoping for par. So difficult test. It can be tipped for all the bombers out there. It can be really tough, but it can be a blast if you play up a tee. Um, but again, like I said, if you hit the ball between 240 to 260, 270-ish, the is is brilliant you know and i hate to say that because it ate me alive but looking back at it and not trying to be biased it really was terrific um i will say this the first few holes do not feel like a pinehurst course at all and it feels like you could be anywhere in the world and then you get to the fourth hole and you're like okay i got it (laughs) we're 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 still at Pinehurst. Uh, the fourth hole is special. The fifth hole is a great little par three. Um, it's a it's a cool little stretch which plays down to a, a pond lake area uh, down there. So that's Pinehurst number eight. And then the last course of the trip was a newbie and quite honestly turned out to be my absolute favorite and moved into the top five of my favorite courses of all time, and that's Todd Hill Farm. So Todd Hill Farm is not in Pinehurst, not in the Southern Pines area, it's not in the Pinehurst region, if you will. It's just outside. We were in Southern Pines. It took us about 50 minutes to get there. So most people, I hate to say overlook it. It is not a course to overlook. But I think most people, when they go down to the Pinehurst region, one of the first things they do is they play every course at the resort or they just try to stay at the resort. And I get that. Like I was that guy. Okay. And then once you realize that there are other world-class courses outside the area of Pinehurst and Southern Pines, it opens you up to just a myriad of, of new courses. And there's so much variety out there. I'm telling you, the people that listen to this podcast that live down there, I know you think you're lucky because you live in the Sandhills, but I'm not sure you understand how lucky you are. I have gotten so many messages on Instagram. I just answered a few more before this pod right now. It's Wednesday that I'm recording of the week. And people just have so many questions about the area. People that have been there before, people that have never been there before, people that are looking to go there. And one of the things I always find interesting are the people that ask me questions that have been there numerous times, but have never ventured outside of courses one through nine at the resort and the cradle. And I can tell you what, Todd Hill Farm is worth the drive. You know, it's worth the gas money. It's worth getting up early, getting early tea time out there. It is, it is terrific. It's set in and around the farm country of that area. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. Like I literally can't rave about it enough. So it's a Mike Strance design and everybody's going to be like, yeah, man, I played tobacco road. I'm like, all right, cool. Okay. It's not tobacco road. And that's not a negative or a positive. Like it is its own course. Strance has said that it's his favorite course that he designed. That should be something right then and there for people to take hold of and grasp onto and be like, this place is special. It underwent a complete restoration. They left everything intact that Strance touched. They just brought it back to its glory, upgraded the turf, upgraded the greens, removed trees, um, 
you know, grew out the areas that were supposed to be grown out, mowed the areas that were supposed to be mowed. The new corporation that owns it, the new management group, and we're going to have Robbie Wooten on next week, and he's the, the general manager, I believe, is his role. Uh, he oversaw kind of everything. And the management aspect of this course, it, a lot of times... You know, and and you've had a local course that that has been ruined by a big company, um, whether it be tea time manipulation or whatever. Um, everyone has had one around them, right? That's a golfer. They did not mess up Todd Hill Farm. They only elevated this place to the upper echelon of courses. So let's get to it, right? You you, you pull up. The bad guys are awesome. Two like college kids. They're pumped to be there. They're working at Todd Hill Farm. The parking lot, literally, you know, 50 yards away. So you pull up. Your bags are there. They put them on the cart for you. You got your little putting green. It's sufficient. It's everything you need. The range is spectacular. It blows you away. You are standing about, I'm going to guess, 100, 100 yard, 150 yards above the bottom of, of, of the farm, these fields, they're using these enormous hay bales as yardage markers. There's a phenomenal chipping area to the left. You could spend hours there. And then you get to the pro shop. And a lot of people wander around. They don't realize where the pro shop is. The pro shop is the old farmhouse. If I could, if I could take this house, pick it up, drop it anywhere in the country and live in it like I would. It is un believable it's it's literally like an early 1900s farmhouse they've redone the inside uh there's great original like pine floors uh the men's locker area is great they've got two sitting rooms one's got a gorgeous fireplace with the trophies a a really kind of low-key pro shop which is great items and i'm telling you what they take the theme of like the cattle head with the horns that, that you'll see on their site everywhere and kind of that rustic look of, uh, of like horseshoes and cattle and horses and, and farm equipment. They take it to the umpteenth degree. I got the sickest putter cover ever. Um, I told my wife, give it to me for Christmas. All right. So I haven't posted a picture of it yet. It's phenomenal. They've got these horsehair driver covers. Um, my son got one that looks like it's branded, you know, a branding iron they would use on a cow to, you know, label it as the farmer's own. It's it's unreal. It's like an old 57 Ford pickup truck next to a vineyard. I mean, it looks like you're stepping back into the 1930s or 40s with this world-class golf course. So one of the coolest aspects that I loved after, so we do our merch thing. You know I love that stuff. We do our merch thing. We get all that. We chip, we putt, we hit balls, and it's our time. We had a little bit of a frost delay, about an hour delay, but the guys were great getting us out there. So we only lost about 35 minutes. And quite honestly, if you're telling me that I can hit balls for 35 minutes more at Todd Hill Farm, uh, okay, you don't have to pull my arm. I'm cool with it. You get in the carts, and they tell you where the first tee is. You, you loop around, and in the beginning, it looks like it could be any course, right? The putting green, the reins, the short game area, the, the pro shop, the starter guy, uh, the bad guys. It's any course in America. You make this right turn, and you get to the first tee box, and both my boys' jaws dropped. 
it is a roll. It's this downhill roller coaster fairway. It does not look like a golf hole. It looks like if the ocean was made out of grass, it looks like a crashing wave in the ocean made out of grass. If you saw the Instagram stories, you know what I mean. Google it. You can watch flyovers and stuff. Ask me for the videos. I'll send them to you. It's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So we get to the first tee, and uh, we all hit the fairway. And then when you get down to the fairway, you're sitting now. So you tee off you know, probably about 40, 50 yards above the fairway. And now you're in the fairway, and you're looking up at this green. And from where you're at, it looks like the green falls off the earth. It looks like there's nowhere to hit it at all. So you hit, and you kind of hope. And you get up there, and it's like they, like this green just hovers out of nowhere. And when you look back at the tee, this is only the first hole. You look back at the tee, and you're like, holy, how did I get from there all the way to here? That is every hole. It is, it, it's a freaking, it's a ride, right? It's not playing golf. You're on a ride, and you just happen to be hitting shots here and there along the way. Visually appealing, yes. Um, visually deceptive, yes. But here's the craziest thing. It is super, super playable, and it is super fair. And I've been trying to workshop like how I can explain it to people, like, and I still can't. Like it is it's nuts, and the greens are nuts. And the fairways are nuts, but it's fair and it's playable. And that is the genius of Tothill Farm. The genius is in the fact that not only does it look like the coolest course you've ever played, but you can still play it. And, and it's not anything crazy where like, oh, you need to get lucky and get a bounce here and there. Like the fairways look like ribbons, but then you get out to the fairway. And the fairway looks like it's 100 yards wide. So when people say Strance is a genius, and I'm going to be completely honest right now, I'm not sure I believed it before this round at Todd Hill Farm, but I'm on board. Like, I'm, I'm a fanboy now. Like, I want to go out and play every single one of his courses to compare it to Todd Hill because it's that special. The par threes are otherworldly. At the third hole, they call it the rock. And the whole area was built around these big rock outcroppings. So it's a lot different than any other Strance course. Like, you know, True Blue of Caledonia down in uh, Myrtle Beach or New, uh, New Kent, I believe, in uh, one of the ones in, in, it's not New Kent, something in Virginia. And then obviously Tobacco Road. Like it's all Sand Hill type courses, you know, and, and Low Country in Myrtle Beach. And this is completely different. This gave me the vibe of a mountain course I'm used to playing here in Northeast PA. But it was something otherworldly. Like, it was completely different. One of the things that we absolutely loved is the greens did not beat us up. Like, they were probably running at a nine, eight and a half or a nine. Whereas everything else we have played up until this point was running, you know, 10 plus. So it was nice to be able to feel like I could kind of give the ball a run at the hole and not have to putt so tentatively. 
Yeah, I'm definitely a much uh, much better putter when I can, when I feel like I can be aggressive, and that could be on fast greens, but you know, uphill putt on fast greens. Um, Todd Hill Farm did a great job at that. You can walk it. The first guy out walked it. I'm going to tell you if you're not in shape, I, I do not recommend it. I would love to walk that course and video it. Um, you know, if I knew I wasn't going to hold people up, but riding it, you don't lose anything. You can ride the fairways and everything, and it's it's uh, it's it's fantastic. The T markers are great. They've got these sand pails um, that you know to fill the divots on the par threes and all that, and it's just uh, it, it's just thematically great. And and that's like what this second half of the trip was like. Piners number eight and Todd Hill Farm just had this thematic resonance where it was just like, wow, you know, everything plays into each other. And they really did great with the theme of the place. A lot of courses just like, okay, that's our course, man. Yeah, we got this logo. You know, we put on the T markers and, and our shirts. And that's it. Right? It doesn't feel like they're they're really trying. And at Todd Hill, it feels like they're really trying to build something special there. They they've got this waterfall hole. I'm telling you, the parth Strand said it's the best collection of his par threes. I'm going to say it's the best collection of par threes I've ever played. Um, I would I would put it... I love the cradle, right? I, I love a par three course. I love the cradle. And I would take his par threes over the cradle any single day. The 16th hole is... I believe it's called Waterfall. And there's legit an enormous waterfall behind it. But it's not, it's not kitschy. Like, it's all natural. Right, it's not like a Trump course where they put this freaking like gold leaf waterfall in the background. And you're like, this is fake as hell, dude. This belongs in Vegas or something. It's all natural. He just he just fit the hole around it. And in terms of playability, the three of us hit shots. I hit a low checking shot, which stopped about 15 feet from the hole. My youngest son Drew hit a real real high ball, which hit the back of the green, and spun back to about six feet. Lai tugged his ball into this mountain. I, I have no other way to explain it, but this mountain to the left of the green. And I said, you know, I really think that's going to funnel down. Sure enough, funnel down to about 10, 12 feet. They both made birdie. I made par. We go two under on the hole as a threesome. We get out of there. Um it's it's special. The reel is up right now on Instagram. You need to check it out. They've got these old steps carved into it. It's just, it's a course that, walking it would be great, but there are parts on that course where I wish I could drive a golf cart out, watch a few groups come through, play, have lunch, and just sit there. Like, that's how naturally beautiful the course is. And in talking with Robbie and some other people, that have played that course, they tell me that every season the course plays completely different. And based on what tees you play, you can play the course completely different. So I mentioned in part one how they were in like a, I think, three-month drought before we got there, right? We brought the rain, of course. They got two inches of rain, and I thought the course still played pretty fast. Robbie told me that beforehand you could literally run the ball up to greens and play the ball along the ground like a course in the british isles 
and, and, and that's, you know, that's awesome as well, right? You know, you can go high, you can go low. I can't, uh, I can't fathom how much fun that place would be if you played the front tees, irons only, and you had to bump and run it around everywhere. I mean, you could sling shots off, off the curvature of some fairways. Uh, you know, I mean, there's some fairways that act like ramps that you could launch the ball off of. Um, it was a blast. And it is a course that I really look forward to playing in other seasons and seeing what it looks like in, in all these other seasons. So that was our last round. Then we headed home, fire the pod back up, and um, you know, kind of review everything. So you know, if there's any questions, again, the DM's always open. You know, I'm I'm gonna get back to you eventually. Um, you know, we've been we've been I I've been blessed with the amount of of new followers we have and and new podcast patrons. And uh, you know, again, truly humble and truly thankful. And it's. It's still me answering every DM, you know. Um, it might take me a day or two because of the numbers we get now, but it, it's still me. I love interacting, and you know, I'm not. I don't live down there, but I would definitely consider myself an expert, if you will, an ambassador for the area. And any way I can help people put together trips down there, or give you some advice, or, or just give you come some insight to. You know, places that I've played or been to and people I've met down there, I, I most certainly will. Um, so as always, on iTunes, on Spotify, give us a rating, like, subscribe, tell your friends, do all that stuff. Follow on Instagram, at Leave the Pin, and, and interact. You know, this thing's growing, and it's getting big, and I love it. Um, so questions, comments, concerns. Send them my way. We got some great guests coming up in the next few weeks. You're going to love it. We got a lot to talk about. The golf world is going absolutely wild right now, and it's starting to become the you know the start of winter, and the golf world is going crazy. Who would have thought? Um, so that's it. Pinehurst 2023 was a blast. Already planning next year's trip and getting all that stuff set up. So you know the drill, people. Either get busy golfing or get busy dying. Swannies is here with a fresh take. Performance-based materials are a given these days, but if you're looking for the stretchiest and most lightweight pieces that deliver a look that says I'm here for a good time, take a walk on the Swannies side. With fabric sourced from recycled plastics and design sourced from our very own weekend warriors, Swannies is looking out for both our planet and those that need a little style to boost their drive another 15 yards. Premium looks from top to bottom at swannies.com. Podcast patrons, Leave the Pin Podcast is super stoked to have Gas House Golf as their official clothing sponsor for the podcast. Go to gashousegolf.com, find them on all forms of social media at Gas House Golf. Gas House makes affordable, eye-catching, one-of-a-kind polos that help you stand out from the crowd. Why spend $75, $100, or even more on polos that make you look like everybody else when you can get one at an affordable price from Gas House Golf? Hit the ball a mile and look damn good doing it.